Hi everyone, we are recording a podcast based on AI in the industry. We've, we're here with uh, Omar, Director of Content, Vincent, Creative Director, and myself, Jyotika, Associate Creative Director. Uh, we've just finished AI Takeover Week, where we had AI take over our socials. AI was our intern for the week. So we've spent the last few weeks exploring aspects of AI and how it can affect our industry. Um, these are some of our learnings and what we foresee for the future of the company, the industry. Shall we start by looking at how you uh, or your experience with AI over the last week working on the AI takeover? Yeah. So, and, yeah. so for context, um, last week on Create Socials, we we let AI take over just to see where things would go from the copy and the art side. Uh, we began with an intro post. The The concept was, it's an intern takeover. The intern is taking over our socials, but the intern was the AI. And the idea was to have the intern do as much as possible. So the visuals, the copy, um, and it kind of ended there because that's, that's where the capabilities mm. end. Um, though there are, um, it has capabilities with music, poetry, etc. But these were the ones most relevant for us. Um, so we had we introduced the intern. Uh, we tried to always include the the prompt or the brief just to see where the human has intervened and to what extent. We tried to include how many iterations uh, it took for us to get to that point as well, just to show. Because I think right now with um, with AI art seems like it's super easy people always show your fi their final product they very rarely show the process um we also went into a cup we explored a couple of other things with our posts one was to to gauge how our followers view ai generated imagery right now so we did a series of stories where we had a real image and an ai generated image just to see if people could gauge the difference and i would say about 70% people got it right um, based on our interaction. Then we did a series. Were there any distinguishing features? Like I remember the cat one. The, yeah. What was, that, what was that called? Which one is real or something? AI or not. AI or not. Okay. Uh, distinguishing features, not so much. We did try to trick people. So with the human face, we showed, mm. we showed a fish. We showed uh, shots of the galaxy. Of a galaxy, we showed um, a cat, a human, and I think a painting, a cubist painting. With the human face, we tried to trick people because both of them were AI generated. Were they? Yes. Oh, damn. <laughs> like, it was I complicated. Didn't even, I didn't even know. Yeah. Uh, but with most of the others, I think people mostly got it right. Mm. Um, then we also did... Uh, <coughs> We did a series to show that, which we called Brand But Make It X. Mm. And the concept there was to show that now with a tool like this, somebody who isn't from the art background can also create something. They just need an idea. Because what stands out about AI art is uh, our role as curators rather than just creators. Yeah. Um, so the idea was we had an animator, a copywriter, an account manager, a brand manager, and each of them just had an idea that they could bring to life with yeah. Midjourney, which is a tool we used. But you could see that being like, um, rather than the end result, you could see that being a starting point, like, you know, building out a mood board 
with Mid Journey, and then starting from there, you know, setting the trajectory for the, for you know an RFP or yes visual language or whatever it is. Yes, I think what comes in the way now is that everybody is just more familiar with how to work with stock and mm. other software than they are with Mid Journey because it just takes a little while to understand like any other tool. Mm. So for Brand But Make It X, for example, I worked with them. So they had a little bit of my past knowledge to to feed off of. But when they first started trying prompts without any help, it took a little getting used to. So you just need to learn the tool. Yeah. But I yeah. saw with with the copy that it was. Um, I mean, we've been working with, with it for months. So we got. Uh, I think Senna was working on copy. AI. I'm not sure which yeah. one it was, but we've had subscriptions to Shortly and Copysmith, and there was a third one that didn't work out. But as a starting point, like let's say we're drafting a strategic narrative, just plugging in some copy from the client or um, in our own words, how we see this brand, and then just letting it uh, churn something out would give us a direction. It would give us some, you know, I think with shortly it was particularly good because you can write long form. It it produces long form copy. So we'd put in a couple of paragraphs and then we just let it write for us, and it really worked. But it's, it worked in the sense of it continued that thread. But the copy the copy itself wasn't great. But that didn't matter to me really. Mm. So even even looking at Mid Journey, like you know the Jeep, but make it Baskin Robbins or whatever that was. There's a there's a there's something in that, especially Lego Lego and IKEA. Those two were those two were really cool. That's a good starting point. Like Lego, but make it or Da Vinci, but make it Lego. How did you? Um, Lego, but make it Da Vinci. Yeah, and then IKEA was. I, I think it's prompt use really regularly, like Da Vinci style uh, image yeah. of his notebooks. Is very used. Uh, if you go through the, the 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 different images you can find on Mid Journey, like people are using maybe at fifteen percent of the time. Yeah. Because it's an easy, it's really easy to identify it. Yeah, but you can take a brand like IKEA but make it film noir. So mm. that one, if you do IKEA but make it Christmas, like there's a there's a starting point for <clears throat> for a Christmas campaign, or you know, it's just yeah. just a way to get started. Uh, so what that uh, what those po posts probably didn't show is that that wasn't that wasn't our exact prompt. So we didn't just write Lego, but make it um, Da Vinci. So yeah. for Da Vinci, for example, specified a sketch and not a, an oil painting, for example. Um, mm. And I think I forget now, but I think I tried to specify uh, it in such a way that we get that Lego man. Yeah. Uh, like I think it was something like. A city built out of Legos and sketched by Da Vinci. So we got much more specific with oh. the prompt, but that was the umbrella concept: Lego, yeah. but make it Da Vinci. Okay. So what did you get with Lego, but make it Da Vinci? Did you get anything? We got a lot visible? of things that were irrelevant. Yeah. And what was finally used was it looks like one of Da Vinci's sketches, mm. um, and there is the Lego figure with the yellow face a little bit. The rest of it is a little um, hard to gauge, hard to understand yeah. what it is, but you can tell it's a Lego figure because of that yellow face. Yeah. yeah. But there I were a lot of irrelevant the, things before. the face that. has this particular shape. shape. Yeah. 
despite the fact there was a sort of veil on it, I don't know what it was. But like mm. this one, yeah, like that was obvious for, for most of the people. Yeah, but it, but that is the thing with with Mid Journey is is how literal it was, how it wasn't able to to provide a new interpretation. So this was also, I think, the third version of what I wanted because, if I'm not mistaken, what I wanted to get was a city built out of Legos, which. Mm it was not able to to understand. I think it built me a galaxy that looked like a mosaic, but I just want a city built out of Legos. Yeah. So um, this is where the human comes in because you've got to curate it. You have an idea. And like with copy, it, can, it gives you a starting point. Uh, it gives you a direction, but you really need to lead it. You need to tell yeah. it where to go very specifically. With the copy side, I know that um, Sana had to put in a lot of effort. I think mm. we both didn't expect that she would have to interfere that much with its copy. Because from what I saw as well, with one brief, the tone would be so varied. Yeah. Sometimes with the intern's post, for example, I think it was the, uh, the last post where the intern's kind of saying, bye-bye, end of my mm. internship. Uh, some of it was uh, along the lines of, I got another job, a better offer, bye. Some of it was this, I have learned so much, hope to see you in the future. But it would be sometimes the same brief. Really? It's very, very... So she didn't interfere with the copy itself. It was just plug in a brief and then see what comes. I'm not too sure about the end results. But with the blog, she did, uh, what she did initially do was have the... Um, Exact the brief exactly what the AI churned out, and two versions I think where she had fixed things up a little yeah. bit because the blog, if I'm not mistaken, she said that it was just too wordy. It was over a thousand words, and nobody's really gonna. Read I saw that. that draft. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, well, that's the thing is that the, there is. So uh, when we worked on copy, just generally for clients, there would be. Um, it would meander and it would go off track sometimes like by this, the third sentence. It's just in another world. It's not even it's not even continuing the thread, but it's like drafting a hypothetical email or, um, you know, writing in a diary. It just it, sometimes it made no sense. So then we would have to delete that all and then and then click again and see what comes. So it was a bit um, it's strange. That's that's that was. That was the the strange part because I I'm not seeing a human behind it. I don't mm. know what I'm seeing behind it, like because the thread doesn't make sense. It's not. Sometimes it gets what we want. Sometimes it's just it's just gibberish. It doesn't make any sense. The tone is wrong. The narrator is wrong. Um, so yeah, I didn't really like you know it's been it's been probably, I think three or four no probably more actually six months since we started trying it out. Um, and none of the writers have figured it out yet. But like this kind of tool, okay, image is maybe, I will not say easier to manage, but like you, you can relate to it. There's less uh, shades and subtlety than in the copywriting. But uh, I see this kind of AI for copywriting as a sort of base of work yeah. to crack the angle or maybe some pieces inside which becomes interesting to 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 use and creates the pivot to make your your copies coming so yeah it's it's i guess it would be the same thing with uh, mid journey if we will start to use it in our own design is like maybe 
the, the, the base of the design will be this, but after like we will add this blur here, we will put this flare and we will encrust this and that inside. So it's not something which should replace entirely the work we need to deliver. It's just like supporting us to make sure like the, the work we have to implement is just a tweak yeah to make it better i mean i see this as i see it as being a partner for every writer so everyone on the team has an ai partner it's not producing their work it's it's uh avoiding writer's block it's helping with um like on some of our accounts it's it's really repetitive we're saying the same thing in 50 different ways and and that's that's mentally draining for a lot of writers so just putting in a prompt and saying you know, like I, I don't want to mention any, any clients right now, but putting in a prompt and having 20 variations of one sentence, that's helped a lot. That's avoided hours and hours of work. Definitely, definitely. But like how, how it proposes you different type of sentences, like it's changing with synonyms. What is the mechanism behind? It's changing the structure, some uh, changing the tone sometimes. Um, in, in, in the case of these uh, variations, we're, we're putting in um, what we want to say in the brief. So it's the brief is just in your own words. What are you looking for? Then keywords. Those keywords tend to show up. All the keywords tend to show up in the in the copy. Um, and then you're taking one or two sentences from each or just how to start a caption can sometimes set everything off so finding a sentence taking the third sentence yeah. and making it your first just attention. helps to to establish some rhythm because that's the problem with copy is when you have a you have a blank page and you're tired it's 5 p.m and there's an you know the client is waiting for uh waiting for the copy having that partner in the form of ai just um takes a lot of pressure off and that pressure, reducing that pressure alone will help the writer get through it, you know? Would this work as an example for an F&B client? How, how many different ways can you say this dish looks good? Come try it. That's, the, that's where it's helping today in terms of the sort of the bigger, the bigger stories. Because there's this, you know, with, with, with human beings, I don't want to be too philosophical, but we we start off with abstract ideas and then we work our way downriver to its practical applications. But then with AI, it feels like it's all going upstream. There is no abstract idea yet coming from AI. It's taking human experience yeah. without everything that came before it and working its way back up to that. And um, so you don't know what's, you don't necessarily know what's coming. But the problem with or the limitation of that is that if however, you know, engineers are building this out, if they're taking this decision tree model, that's that's inherently restrictive, you know? Because the way the AI sees abstract is not how we see abstract. It has a much more clinical approach to abstract. But is it even abstract or is it just applying literal interpretations? Yeah. of things you know it's combining those things but it's not creating i mean it's still early days but it's not creating anything new it's just creating new connections sometimes yes. that's enough you know 
Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Like it's just creating new connections. And that was very interesting, like in, in the different content shared, like when we were asking the people to put some prompts around the, the Shibu dog. Yeah. Like what we were asking them to do is like creating connections which were unexpected and see how it will build on that. And uh, like most of the connection was something we, we could expect at a point. Like there was not something like on a... Mm flying Bolognese ball or but at the end of the day like AI from what I understand and maybe you, you can you, you can give you give us um, your experience about that is like really just try to put all together things and more you make the the shuffle system like make it works and more it will create these weird connections between the different words. Uh, that's why you have the problem with the hands is because a hand is something tangible but there's so many positions like it can't handle it but where you coming and say okay like i want these dogs doing that it will be able to give you but like if you asking maybe 10 times 20 times that would change it's a little bit like google translate in a way mm. where you start in a language you put a simple sentence and it's translate in another language and after you go through all the language at the end you're coming with something totally yeah unexpected how it was going with uh, when you were starting to make it uh, search, propose you new alternatives and new options on the same uh, prompt? Um, well, I, that's where it helps that um, AI-generated imagery has become really popular because there are, there are endless YouTube videos and blogs about how to get what you want out of it, how to mm. optimize it uh, for what you want. Um, it does help to be more specific. The more specific, the better. But it's also fun to just be vague and see what it comes up with. Yes, we went through a lot of variations and that is that is a big help. That you can, if you don't like it, you can just make it make something completely different. Yeah. Um, and that makes us a little bit lazy, but also gives us a starting yeah. point. At the end of the day, it's a tool, like how Photoshop is a tool, uh, a computer was a tool, a typewriter was a tool. It's just another tool that at least for designers and animators, they just need to learn how to use it the way you learn how to use mm. the Adobe suite. Qu question, because like uh, when we design or when we write, um, we're using specific words or specific colors or specific shapes. And um, sometimes like we have a clear idea of what we want to express before we, we put on, on the paper or on Photoshop, mm. Illustrator, whatever, which design. Uh, software you're using but here there's a, a part of luck or a part of unexpected unexpected things yeah. like how you can master this part because like when you start to, you start to type the prompt uh, you have no idea what will happen on the screen yes this is where um, most people are thinking of the easiest way to use AI generated imagery so there's those generalized uh, models and then there's also kind of fine-tuned models where you can feed it imagery and say okay I don't know put this on top of this or use this as the dog so you can get much more specific with it but that's where you need to learn the tool to understand how to do it even with the videos uh, and the animations you need to learn how to use the tool to execute it but most people have have just about scratched the surface where they type in um, dog as an astronaut and let's see what comes up yeah. but you can you can have your dog as the astronaut you yeah. can feed images in 
you can feed a lot in. You just need to know how to use I it. I wonder at, at what point, if whatever mid-journey is producing, it then redigests. So when you bring in that, you you know, you did the um, Shiba Inu in, a, in Tokyo or in a spaghetti bowl. Mm-hmm. And enough of that sort of... Uh, those absurdities are produced by mid-journey it's then absorbed by it and and becomes part of that interpretation you know we we did kind of explore that with some we tried to get prompts from copy.ai so get Mm. the prompt itself to be ai generated uh, one of the brand but make it x was from there i don't think any of those went online eventually but um, yeah, that's a version of it, right? And that mm. would, with imagery, that would happen soon because of the number of people using it. Yeah. It's not an expensive account to get and you get unlimited tries. A lot of people are on it. When you're, they have on Discord, there are many different sort of rooms. And while you're typing your prompt in, you can see other people doing the same. And sometimes mm. there are so many that your result just gets lost and you got to scroll through. But the the speed at which people are engaging with these tools and mid-journey, it's just one of them. Mm. That's going to happen pretty soon. But just imagine itself. how easy access you have to uh, an amazing tool, like to master Photoshop or at least to be a decent designer, uh, you need at least a year of intense work to reach a point where you can be considered as a semi-pro. Uh, on another hand, I'm sure like if you intensely worked on uh, mid-journey during mm. 10 days, like you can reach a level which is extremely accurate. It depends on what you want to achieve. If you want to go deep, you got to learn how to code. Obviously. So then it'll take more than 10 days and people who already know how to code have an upper hand. But mm. that's why people assume that it's... The, the general imagery, the general models are what it is, but there's so much more to it. Like the Heinz Ketchup one, or there was another famous one, which was kind of the evolution of man. I think it goes all the way from the beginning to a robot and something slimy, etc. Um, stuff like that, you need to, you need much more than 10 days to learn. But like with Photoshop, if you have a general idea of it, and you want to do something specific, you don't know how to, you can go on to YouTube or Google and be like, how do I da 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 on Photoshop? Yeah, you can do the same thing with these softwares yeah. as well. But if you go into the coding side, it is definitely more complicated than, because you don't have an interface. Obviously. But you can copy code. So. I mean, looking at platforms, looking at um, Google, Twitter today, what happened with the blue, with, with the blue tick, I'd imagine the first thing you know, the second thing people do once they test out this is figure out how to manipulate the system. Yeah. So when you when you have something like Midjourney and you have an army of people who are gradually shifting the way Midjourney interprets a country or a brand or whatever it is, you know, just plugging in prompts that that shift that brand from one to from one you know, from a from a healthy position to mm. uh, to a damaging one or a country or a people. Uh, I, I don't know how that will work, but if you want to damage a country, there are ways to do that. I mean, people have used it for protests. There's a really famous one. Mid-journey? That, yeah, uh, there's a really famous uh, animation um, supporting the protests in Iran with women and it keeps morphing. But mm. 
wanted to come back to another point that you mentioned. Oh yeah, with um, with tools like Stable Diffusion, it's open source, so you have much more control over that. But with things like Dali and Midjourney, not as much. You mm. can't man- you can't really manipulate um, the way Midjourney would view. I I don't know. Um, let's take Iran as an example. You can't really mm. or women, for example, because female faces are so standard if you don't get specific but you can't really manipulate what that standard version of a female face would be it's scraped through millions of images to get to that point and Mm. that's not in our control right now on this yeah obviously like there's some bias i guess it's the same thing from your side where you uh, when you you want to sort of uh, a copy you will take a certain angle of things which is dictated by the culture which is dictated by uh, let's say, for example, there's some Asian languages doesn't have the the the, the kind approach of the English culture, mm. where there's no thank you, there's no uh, hi or everything. Mm. But that's a sort of bias, if we want. Technically, it's a bias. So um, that's interesting, I guess, to to discover how the interpretation of the word we use or how the copy created is linked to bias we have culturally especially because for the moment we're working mostly in english but if you switch this for example to arabic or to french or to chinese hindi uh, urdu like the same prompts will have a totally different approach of things yeah the 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 structure of your letter you want for example you want a letter for congratulation will have another taste yeah i guess so I'm very excited to to see how the the near future will adapt this kind of tools to other languages, because will they just transcript the the the, the prompts to us with the bias of the main yeah. culture, or they will interact with the real culture um, they try to to talk with. But if they if they if they absorb the the biases and the connotations of language across cultures, then you get something that isn't tied to anything. It's just a it's just a global blob. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. Agree. You, know? you need to have this kind of bias inside because that makes your culture. Yeah, uh, what it is. It's based on the point and of it, view. it gives meaning to the language itself. You know, the bias is is imprinted in the in the words we use. So finding some, you know, how you set boundaries around that, I have no idea. Um, but I wouldn't want to get to a point where, I don't know if bias is the right word, but it's, it's the connotations behind, behind that language. If, if that's lost, then, then language is lost. It loses its meaning. Um, yeah, that, I think that will be very far down the line because many of yeah. these tools are not completely open like uh, Midjourney and Dali, it's not open source, whereas something like Stable Diffusion is. So they still control certain aspects. Like I think the first, I I don't know how it is now, but the first version of Dali, for example, you couldn't use celebrities' faces. Uh, Sexual content is not allowed. Um, They they control certain aspects of it on some of these platforms, whereas on some others they don't. But it's not Mm. completely open to to people. That's just today. Yes, yeah. and with with time that will change. Yeah, stable diffusion is already open, so so people can 
kind of make what they want. I mean, Facebook was a college social media platform. Like yes, when I joined when, in the early 2000s or whenever it was, there were like 400,000 people on the platform in the US. And it was for university students. And now it's, you know, it's a billion plus. Yeah, it is. But it's and, meta. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much more than it was, and it it's not that long. We're not talking multiple generations. We're not, we're not talking hundreds of years. Yeah. You know, no. that exponential. First of all, not being able to figure out what is the trajectory in which this is headed, and then the fact that it it will get out of control before we can figure that figure out what the trajectory is, or decide on it if we can. That's the the exciting part and the the sort of the scary part. But like today, like um, I I think that since Facebook or maybe a little bit earlier, people have start to don't watch uh, a proto a proto project yeah. as a sort of things which is not finished, but something with a huge potential. Yeah. Um, and that's why now there's big companies invest a lot in uh, all these softwares. Uh, around AI to because they see the potential like giving access to anybody for a small amount of uh, money to become the photograph of their the photographer of their life um, or at least their, their full potential like Shutterstock has uh, developed their, their his own um, software his own AI based on their database because every single picture on, on Shutterstock has keywords so it's starting to to be implemented that brings to copyrights and that that's creating that's create yeah. that it is creating a lot of other issues mostly legal however like tomorrow when you will go on shutterstock you will not spend hours searching for a picture despite the fact that you know how to find the right words to describe what you're looking for it will say okay you have this huge amount of pictures and we'll build your own inside this and that will give uh, a huge power to the people who are using this kind of project to reduce the costs and the time spent on a project just because they will find their picture. And with yeah. the quality of images of Shutterstock, like a lot of them are on, on 4K, that will create an entire new yeah. industry. So Shutterstock isn't selling its library in the sense that it's it's telling people you can search through this library. It's building its library and then telling people that our library is so big, we can produce something that no other... Um... For the moment, they're using both. So mm. they have the idea of say, hey, you want photography good, and we use it as a traditional way. On another hand, you can, uh, you can uh, subscribe to their AI, and they will give you access to this AI who's using Shutterstock pictures to make it happen. Yeah. That automation is where I think the content field will be drastically affected because it speeds everything up, right? Um, there was an example of, I think, Alibaba. Um, just banners, thousands of banners that it had to make. It mm. automated the entire process. It would have taken a human so long, but then they just delegated it here. Or uh, another example was, I think, children's cartoons on YouTube. Um, how that's... a children's cartoons are a field that you can kind of crack because you don't have to the storyline doesn't have to be very logical visually kids are just looking at the visual aspects so if you crack that it's fine and then you just need to understand the algorithm 
to have it turn up um but then there's also the dark side to it where for example a children's cartoon it's something like the ai is not interpreting it's not doesn't have an understanding of what it's creating so the content it's creating can be really messed up yeah um and it's children viewing it it can create it but it doesn't really know what it's creating but yeah. with content this automation will speed the process up drastically you can you can do so much there are apps where you can take a video of yourself without a green screen and change the background on a very simple scale there's a website where you can upload a random image of yourself and it'll make a plain background that you can use for linkedin for example yeah. there's every level of it from <clears throat> complex to simple um but even on uh, you know if you go beyond that and you 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 look at what an what what an algorithm is capable of because of the fact that everything we do today is is done through uh, our laptops or our phones so we have somewhere a a, a record of as the output of our thought process and mm-hmm. we talked about this when when you were working on the mid journey uh, uh visuals this idea that if we can if we get can you know if we get to a point where i have an algorithm there's my algorithm and there's your algorithm and there's vincent's and and rather than committing ourselves just to create you know the work we do here if it can um um if it can be sort of distilled in an algorithm that we can then lease out to yeah. to other agencies or consultancies i mean i think of like deloitte or mckinsey taking the thousands of consultants and their experience over the last um you know over the last 50 years and then using that having a you know having um servers which are just which just have the minds of hundreds of thousands of consultants including ours just for the sake of it mm. just to input into this massive library of of human thought that they then um uh distill for their clients for specific you know projects yeah. this is this is probably th- this would have been a great question for sure about how uh, possible this is but this is where uh, our role as the curators come in because it doesn't even if you can feed in all the minds of mckinsey into an algorithm and have it consult instead of those thousand people it still doesn't have an understanding of what it's creating for the human the way the human interprets it is different the way with ai imagery for example you can see it it knows how to make it aesthetically pleasing it's always a pretty color palette it looks vaguely like a dog but then you zoom in and you realize it only has three legs or that's that's where the tail should be not the leg should be um but you still need a human to to see if this is relevant for a human being uh for yeah. example if if you use it for architecture like a lot of consultings happening for the saudi market for example now if you have um an ai design neom it's not going to under it's not going to have a good understanding of the human experience mm. right how would it be for a a human being living or working in neom does this make sense is this practical is this how a human mind even works okay maybe that's how this culture works does that culture think like mm. that what about different age groups says there are so many variables which is where the the human curator comes in so exactly how it has started out for us on copy and art 
you still need the person to guide it because it's a person that is absorbing this or living this yeah so we're all in a sense glorified librarians we're we're just pulling pulling value from mass yeah there's something like that yeah in, you in know cuz cuz you you know it, it is it is realistic uh i don't know when but it is realistic for for you to have a studio of of algorithms behind you rather than a large team Humans. you know yeah. yes and also a team of people who know how to deal with the algorithm yeah. so not me, just designers but mm. coders what i what i think will happen and uh, against with the the poor knowledge i have on it but like at a point become a photographer or designer means like you manage prompts or at least it will be a, a key tool you need to ma- master yeah. it means like yes you will be able to develop Uh, on ai some uh, some images and after it will be retouching them so the needs in term of design would be reduced and the uh, needs in term of copywriting will be increased mm. um again like uh, it's all evolutions like new tools arriving that's creating a sort of change so there's some jobs disappearing other are created or that makes migrate mm. one competence in in another space and i think that what will happen like will migrate the designers competence to uh another types of work which is still must be defined mm. uh, but i'm sure like tomorrow an account manager for example who is not specifically someone who has design skills will be able to come and say hey maybe i'm not designing maybe i'm not the best photographer in the world but i know how to write prompts yeah or even a copywriter say like i'm not a designer but like i can give you at least a mood board of what i'm expecting yeah it can be a leg up like how uh, i don't know knowing excel used to be a leg up on your cv yeah. now knowing how to deal with ai becomes that maybe it's not yeah. just art and studio it's one more department we'll have uh, adobe suites midjourney dali too yeah <laughs> you spent you a week so well. working on midjourney um Has it, did your approach change at all? My approach to work would not change very much right now. Before it changes drastically, we need to upskill ourselves. So the way at some point creative started learning the Adobe suite um, rather than uh, and learning how to use Shutterstock and the computer. Similarly, we will have to learn how to use AI tools. Um, yeah. till till we upskill ourselves in that way it's not going to deeply affect jobs uh and the way we work but one of you had mentioned mood boards and that's one place where it can it can be effective because right now sometimes finding the right imagery to match what you have in your mind it doesn't work but with ai you can just keep generating till you find something um one of the one of the issues we always seem to have is with licensing and the fact that whenever we work on rfps or or client work um licensing is always an issue mm. so with midjourney and and dali and and others the fact that you can create your own content quickly kind of takes does that take that away i think um it's not as quick as people expect mm. so unless you've been working with it for a while and you understand how to work with it it can be very time consuming as an example for one of our series uh the mad libs series we had a designer work on it who hasn't worked with ai art before and 
that's where the team and she saw how long it would take to understand this tool and how to get used to this tool so everybody needs to upskill themselves before we can take it that lightly where it just replaces tasks and make thing makes things easier because right now it adds it makes some things easier but it adds complications on another end and with the licensing it's still um it's a bit of a gray area still because for example if you have a paid subscription to midjourney and dally you can use what you create but if you're on a free subscription you don't have rights to do it but there's the ethical side of things as well where if um if the ai has scraped through um i don't know a famous person's voice for music or a person's style for illustrations we're paying the platform to use this but we're in no way crediting the actual human creator there so mm. there is still a gray area when it comes to all of that and everything you created on midjourney everyone in the world can see that yes so whatever you create is not is not yours yes other people can i'm not sure uh, what it is there but laws haven't caught up with any of this yet either so the legal yeah. system in countries it it hasn't formed for this new technology yet but there are uh, tools like stable diffusion where you can keep things private so it's not open to everybody but like mm. that's i think today it's one of the major key point why we can we can't use these kind of tools uh, on a large public uh, launch project for example yeah uh, it's just a matter of what is this line between property uh, fair use all mm. that and that's why for example we were talking about shutterstock earlier that's why shutterstock for a moment uh, face some um, some tensions with the photographers because they say okay you will use our pictures to populate your uh your ai so they will not us anymore they will not need us anymore yeah. and mm. for the moment they're trying to work on a way to compensate this by some uh a percentage of the rights of the picture like it's it's in fact like technology is here like yes it's it needs improvement but the real real problem is like the ethic behind this kind of tool mm. and as soon as we will find it it will it be an international system or it would be just per country or per geographic area that's mm. again something which will take years to be implemented yeah. and the models are so vast i don't see how you can credit everybody you have to credit everyone in in human arts and culture that has led up to this point that that was exactly yeah. the same problem in music like when they are the the sample start to become something extremely popular to use in music where in fact the sample becomes a sort of um uh notes inside your own music so you were using this trumpets uh, played by uh Maceo Parker in a James Brown songs and you want to use it in your own and you create a new melody on this what's the part of property of Maceo yeah. Parker what's the part of property of the James Brown or the producers inside and mm -hmm. that became sort of tricky situation um so that brings the 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 free free world royalty free things but mm. like there's an entire industry to rethink in in, in this yeah. in this part because they haven't given their consent to use their voice or their style or their etc etc so even is if, a little bit complicated um yeah there are some people who have very distinct styles though with the artists who are already um who are already feeling the brunt of it and who months later find out that their style has been used on ai platforms to generate images but they mm. haven't given their consent to 
for the for the AI to learn from their artwork. So even if the platform, even if Midjourney says, if you have a paid subscription, you're allowed to use what you create. I personally still feel uncomfortable to use a lot of it. Yeah. Because there's the moral side of things, which that uh, the T's and C's hasn't really covered or explored. Yeah. With copy, um, with copy, I think there's just so much more room. Because when you mm -hmm. look at, like if you take every Disney movie over the last 10 years, they all follow the, the hero's journey. It's the same story structure. It's a universal story structure. And there's no, there, there's no copyright on that, you know? Mm. And when you take, um, when you take uh, classic literature or you take ideas from text, because of the nature of language, when you're, you know, a book becomes an essay, becomes a paragraph, becomes an aphorism or a statement or a, or, or a, a word, and that ability of language to constantly pr to produce a world and then distill itself into uh, a word or a sentence or a, a phrase that we can all understand, that's just a constant cycle. And that ability for AI to just take, to distill meaning and then churn something entirely new out of it, that potential is just massive. And it's not a, it's not a copyright issue. It's just a... It's just the nature of, of language. Definitely. But with, with visuals, I don't know if there's an underlying structure, you know? I don't know if there's an underlying meaning it's that you can... It's such a gray area. It's, it's always, yes, as you said, a gray mm. area because like there's the inspiration and a blur to I'm sampling what you're doing. Yeah. Um, like, let's take, for example, you were talking about the structure of a sentence or structure or, of a story. When you take a... Um, a billboard in general like the structure like you have in terms of layout yeah like there's a grammar have, yeah design. there's a grammar yeah. you need to respect just to make sure like it looks nice and and you i know companies who which are using three types of layout and they have done their entire career on that and they are successful and it's okay yeah so it's is it inspiration is it just redoing what they do all the time like it's a it's a vast uh, conversation around and it's so that. easy to deceive right now because people don't understand how these tools work so it's really easy to deceive people and make them think that um, okay Heinz ketchup for example if you type ketchup you will always get something that looks like a Heinz bottle which is untrue it's just mm. like that brand has curated this view of AI that whenever you type ketchup you will see a Heinz bottle but that's incorrect yeah. so there's there's a lot of deception that that hasn't been dealt with yet. Mm. Um, out of this, like, um, if we talk about like what kind of expectation the clients could have, because obviously um, you, especially you, you, you have a, a deeper learning than us on on this uh, on this kind of software. But like the clients is, are listening things on the web without digging inside and maybe they expect that it's a sort of magical tool where they would be able if they write a few sentences they would be able to provide yeah. something like we, we are seeing a lot for the moment on youtube some people using some songs and just create a new storyboard and uh, images illustrate the song itself so they think okay that's easy to do so do i really need to have to pay all these companies doing this when me i can do that by myself Mm. Like we know, everybody knows one client say, hey, my nephew, 
has a Photoshop, you can do that for free for me. Yeah. So and that that uh, misconception was there within the agency as well. A lot of people assuming that it's it's very easy. It's going to be quick to make uh, the amount of time that we had allotted for the project internally was also much less than was actually mm. required. I think the initial project, like I was booked for maybe like 12 hours, mm. um, but it's been 40 or so. Um, wow. But this is, where, this is where you need to be trained on the tool. So if you understand how to code, if you understand the, the tools, then it won't take as long as it does now. Because part of this began with... Um, with research, right? Like about a year ago, I started learning um, a little bit of creative coding and that has helped with this now or those animations and videos that everyone's seen online with the Iran protest animation and the, the evolution of man and stuff. It They make it look like it's so simple. You just, you tell AI, show me what the evolution of man looks like and it'll give you a 30 second video, but it's not yeah. like that. And creating it is not... Um, I mean, it's not even how you would create something like that on After Effects. It's time consuming and you need to know this tool, which is different from another animation tool. That's what we were seeing earlier is like um, you will have a sort of migration of the skills yeah. to be able to master this kind of tool. Uh, and I think that uh, there will be a sort of common area where copywriters and designers will be able to use this tool uh, together differently, I guess, but like on the same kind of approach. And that will create, a, from this will emerge a new types of jobs where someone mm -hmm. is dedicated, like for example, understand uh, AI architecture to give mm -hmm. the most accurate prompt to deliver what you want to have. Yeah. So yeah, like there's a, a new area open at the same time and few others are closing. Well, right now it's just being used as more of a starting point. Um, so it's not something that it's not something that we ultimately present to clients, but it's something that can get a brainstorm started. It's something where we can we can create a mood board in, in you know a few hours and have something that we can start our discussion around. Yes. But once it gets to a point where pre we're presenting that to clients, then you have a whole new space where you have handmade designs and you have artisanal agencies and yeah and then there's there's a new area where where you know brands want to be known as where design becomes part of that authentic um, mm. you know brand for me the future of the industry is kind of it's an unknown it's way too early it could go in a thousand different directions we have no mm. idea we're playing with it yeah, we don't I, need to have an answer. It's a it, it's a it's a matter of cycle. Like when the uh, camera arrived, like uh, low cost cameras, but with a, a good quality. Like there's a new generation of new movie directors arrived on the market, and everybody was able to do their own film. And now we have some all these editing tools, and people are trying. Like everybody's a photographer at a point now, just by doing a selfie. It, people try to have this culture of uh, structure their image or mm. the light or the, the lens, all of that. So slowly, like people will be more and more educated as the client will be more and more educated and they will understand like there's new ways to use this kind of tools. For the moment, it's just the jungle they discover, but at a point that will become accurate to use it in an efficient way. My real concern is like uh, all these tools makes us efficient. 
but it doesn't mean that these tools makes us more creative. Mm. Uh, and I'm afraid like we will have to deal with or we do volumes or we do creative things. Today we see low tech uh, companies starting to come back and using calligraphy and using uh, a former way to print things just to give this human touch we don't have front of our computer. So maybe there's a new tendency will come where you will have, as you said, lots of, of boutique agencies which are which saying, hey, we use old tools. We use Photoshop, we use Illustrator to deliver because there's this human touch you will never have with AI. Mm. So I think there will be three things. People really low tech, mid tech, let's say this like that, and super high tech with AI. And we just need to not there's a laziness that comes when things get automated it's human mm. nature and part of that has to be fought. and the loss of knowledge mm. yeah like uh, when you have automatic system on your camera like why you take care of lenses yeah we've gone from uh, what filmmaking used to be 50 years ago to now you can shoot a movie like movies have been shot on iphones yeah yeah like that that was a conversation we had before with omar we're talking about the fact that on the Hobbit by Peter Jackson, he has used on the, the river uh, scene some GoPros, like, and it was more than ten years ago. So you see, like, there's a, a very, very short uh, area where all these kind of um, professional and, uh, and amateur uh, fields are, are touching together, and they use the same tools to express themselves. So. Let's see what the future will give us on this. Yeah, good for content creators, though. Okay, All right. so in conclusion, uh, <laughs> in conclusion, there's no conclusion. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. cross fingers and hope like will not be replaced so fast. Oh come on. Yeah, I think Joking. we'll we'll stay that ahead of this. Has never goal. happened. No. Yeah, but like yeah. you, you're the copywriter. They use prompts. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, even, for, you know, I mentioned earlier, if every writer has an AI partner, I see that only as a good thing. I don't see yeah. I'm I'm not worried about anyone being replaced because that just mm. never seems to happen. New jobs are created. Yeah. New opportunities are found. A new approach is established. Yeah. But don't you, you know? think that it will create some patterns of uh, of creativity? Because like there's the efficiency of the message, too at the moment's coming inside. So mm. how how uh, the the audience react to the to to the to the the copy you have delivered or to the visuals you have given. Yeah. And through that there would be some patterns. So uh, yeah, I, I, we'll I get that. Yeah. I yeah. think patterns are necessary for Definitely. one to help to help with understanding and, and communicating meaning. But I also you know, I also see that as this becomes more rigid, it doesn't, it, it's not the end game. It, it breaks apart and something new is created in the same way that we live in the status quo today for, you know, within our industry. So there's nothing wrong with this approach that we take today breaking. I don't see a, I don't see a loss with that. I yeah, see maybe just it a, needs a change. Know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've reached that point of everything looking the same and. You know, definitely. Every idea has been done. Yeah. So, in conclusion, no conclusion. No conclusion. The future is open. 